It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton, Craig Moore. All right, everybody, welcome to a Monday edition of Race Chat Live. I don't know uh, what is going on this evening in the uh, in the World of 110 Nation, but uh, Taz is going to join us here in a couple of seconds, and he's going to do a tribute to the one and only uh, legend up here in the upstate New York area, up in the Northeast. Jack Johnson passed away, I uh, believe it was Saturday. And then, or no, I'm sorry, Friday. And then Clem DeBerry, who is a uh, racer as well, and he he had a local radio show on, I believe it was on WCSS back in the uh, early 2000s. He passed away as well. So, but uh, Taz, if you're there somewhere. Yep. And uh, you would like to take it away, go ahead. I didn't know what the deal was, and I couldn't stand the dead air, so. It's all yours, and after that, we got a special treat for you guys. Ronnie, big night here honoring your dad. What's this night mean to you? Uh, It means everything. I mean, you know, we grew up uh, coming to Fonda Speedway. You know, he's brought up uh, learning to love Fonda Speedway. But, you know, uh, sitting here watching all these orange T-shirts and these people come in, uh, I'm starting to realize what jumping meant to Fonda Speedway. It's quite an honor. Hey, he's very important. Uh, you know, he's one of my heroes. Uh, helped me race from the very beginning. Uh, I remember going to Jack's house, uh, running Albany Saratoga on Friday night, spending the night at his house, and then coming here. So pretty much uh, everything I learned in the early years certainly came from jumping Jack and hanging around that crew and JoJo DeSarbo and Joe Blomo and them guys. It was, uh, it was a pretty good t- uh, time in my career. Uh, Jack was huge for me. Uh, when I started, he was uh, a mentor and a big help. He used to let me picture his jump file to come up with parts to be able to race weekend week out, you know. So uh, Jack, Jack was a big part of my racing career. Uh, Jack did a lot more to, for me in my younger days when I first started racing than probably most people know. Uh, we used to go down to a shop, run all the used tires. He used to give me a lot of used parts, um, a lot of advice. And uh, and I'll tell you, if, if probably I had to take anything away from those guys over at that garage, it was probably Jack and JoJo's drive for the sport. I mean, they those guys used to put in hours. hours. Their ambition and drive for racing was, was unbelievable. You know what? I didn't have the opportunity to race against him because uh, I was racing sportsman um, before he stopped racing, but... Um, just always a solid person to talk to and, and get some advice. And, you know, I, he didn't always tell you what you wanted to hear, but he told you what you needed to hear. When I got racing, uh, if I had a question, he, he would take time to answer it. And it really uh, stuck with me about, you know, here's, you know, one of the best drivers there is. And, and uh, you know, he didn't have to be, you know, friendly to everybody, but he was, you know, and, and and uh, anybody that asked, he'd helped out. And, you know, I, I really tried to emulate that, uh, 
know, anytime anybody has a question, I try to say, you know what, these, these guys, I had a knee, uh, you know, help the guys out like me. You know, why, why can't I help out somebody? And, and uh, so I've really tried to, tried to continue that on. Jack Johnson, one of the Northeast's most accomplished modified drivers, died Thursday after a lengthy battle with ALS. He was 76 years old. Johnson began racing go-karts when he was 13 and began his modified career in 1966 after being discharged from the Army. He earned his first modified victory in 1971 at New York's Fonda Speedway. It was the first of his 149 victories at the track. During his lengthy career, he won 11 modified championships at Fonda Speedway, with his first coming in 1975 and his last in 1996. He also earned a track championship at Pennsylvania's Nazareth National Motor Speedway in 1983. He was also incredibly successful at the New York State Fairgrounds, winning the Super Dirt Week main event in 1979 and 1984. And his 1984 triumph made him the only driver to win every major New York State Fairgrounds event in one season. His wins at the New York State Fairgrounds were just the tip of the iceberg when it came to major victories. Among his many triumphs were victories in the National Dirt Track Championship 200 at Flemington, New Jersey Speedway, the Eastern State 200 at New York's Orange County Fair Speedway, and the Fonda 200 at Fonda Speedway. Just to, That's only to name a few. Johnson opened Jumpin' Jack's Pro Speed Shop in 1980, a business that continues to operate. His racing career ended in 2009 following a violent crash at Fonda Speedway. Johnson won 428 times at 35 different tracks in 10 states and two Canadian provinces. He won his final race at Ohio's Sharon Speedway in 2009. He was inducted into the Northeast Dirt Modified Hall of Fame, Eastern Motorsports Press Association Hall of Fame, and New York State Stock Car Association Hall of Fame all in 2012. His son, Ronnie Johnson, continued the family racing tradition and won his first Fonda Speedway modified title in 2011. All right, race fans, how the hell are you? It's Race Chat Live. This is uh, Chris. We'll have Craig Moore on. And, uh, of course, we want to thank Cash for that uh, cool little skit there in the remembrance of, uh, of a great racer from their area. Uh, condolences to the family. Um, I'm reading two, two. As a matter of fact, it's not just Jack Johnson. It's actually another... Clem Debray, Debray, Debray. How you pronounce that, Craig? Debray. Yeah, so we got a lot of lot to cover here. Uh, condolences to those families as well. Um, Craig Moore, what you got? Yeah, do me a favor. Click that song, "Looking for a Road." <laughs>
copyright to this? <laughs> Might be dirt, it might be gravel I'm looking for a road Only I'm supposed to travel Might be right around the corner Might be a thousand miles to go But I'm gonna keep on looking for that road I'm looking for a sky Where I can see forever I'm looking for a sky That leads straight up to heaven I'm gonna climb up every mountain till my soul begins to fly. Yes, I'm gonna keep on looking for that sky. And I know it won't be easy. And I know it won't be long. With every step I'm getting closer to the place. the gravel I'm looking for a road only I'm supposed to travel my fear All right, okay. good evening, Race Chat. 
live fans. This is Craig Moore. Kaz Taylor is here. Chris is somewhere in uh, Tumsuma, Mississippi. And uh, that was a great tribute. Yeah, we lost two great old-school racers in the span of two days here in the upstate New York area. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a privilege to know Jack, but I did have the privilege to meet Clem a few times. Each time was uh each time was an experience and we'll leave it at that. Uh but he was a he was a hell of a nice guy. His son actually is a comedian here in the upstate uh New York area. Pat at the very. So uh condolences go out to both both Clem's family and uh Jack's family. So, yeah, this coming week we've got Martinsville coming up, but at the bottom of the hour we've got a guy joining us from South Florida. Uh, he's the owner of Hillbilly Motorsports. I shared some video on the Race Chat Live page the other day uh, from him. So we'll be interested to talk to him about it and uh, about his race team and what he's got going on down in South Florida and how he got his start. So that'll be coming up in about 15, 20 minutes. We're going to have a short show for you tonight. Probably be out of here by quarter after nine. And uh, I'll be asleep by 9.20 because eyes old. So, uh, Taz, Chris, let's talk Martinsville. We leave the dirt track of Bristol, and we're heading to another short track. Um, we're off. We were off, obviously, yesterday because of Easter. I hope you guys had a good Easter. I hope you guys uh, ate a lot of deviled eggs and uh, hidden, found a lot of all of your hidden eggs. And uh, I'm not sure, Taz, did you get her a ring yet? <laughs> we didn't get that far. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, we got Martinsville. And before I get into Martinsville, I just kind of want to say. Uh, I didn't know um, the Barry, but um, being getting into racing in my young younger age, uh, again, watching Jack race, he was probably one of the first drivers I got to become a fan of, and and when he won his 400th career race at Utica Home Speedway, I was actually there live in person, so uh, that was one heck of a memory to feedback of from you guys and just watching that back on YouTube that someone posted I didn't even know about. It was just amazing to see. But Martinsville, we have Xfinity and Cup Series this weekend going from the dirt of Bristol High Bank to the near flat track of Martinsville and now we're we're not on dirt in this one. Xfinity and Cup race this weekend. Xfinity, I believe, has their dash for cash race. There's, yeah, it's all three of them. There's no truck this weekend. Oh, I thought there was. No. But the dash for cash, uh, that that happened. They had their qualifiers when we were at what was it, Atlanta? We last raced with the Xfinity. I believe. And the top 
four Xfinity regulars that crossed the line were basically the Dash for Cash specialists. And, uh, hey, let's, let's uh, talk about these Dash for Cash drivers entering into this. We have, let's see, Justin Allgaier, Harrison Burton, Noah Gregson, A.J. Allmendinger. The Burton, Allgaier, and Gregson finished 1, 2, 3 last October in Martinsville. And Dinger was a contender until he suffered tire failure while leading late and finished 26. So they got in from Atlanta. How do you think this Dash for Cash is going to play out on a short track? Craig, Chris, can I lose somebody? Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to get my guests lined up. How do you feel uh, this Dash for Cash will play out heading into Martinsville? Well, I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, I like this dash for cash feature. <laughs> I wish they'd do it. I wish they'd do it in the uh, in the Cup Series. I have to look and see who the drivers are. I'm sorry. I'm trying to line up the guests to make sure that it's getting in here. So he's, there, uh, he's set, I got ready it. There, Allgaier, all Burton, Gregson, and Almendinger. Where Burton, Allgaier, Gregson, one, two, three. Last time we went to Martinsville, Almendinger was a contender then had a tire failure leading late and finished 26. So it's seeming like all four of these guys are going to be great contenders for this. Well, I don't know. I kind of like the underdog. So uh, I'll take Almond Dinger. I'll take the Dinger. I think he's got something to prove. So I think that uh, he he will do quite well. And uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I like this dash for cash feature. I think it's pretty cool. They've been doing it for two, three, three, four years, I think they've been doing it, if I remember correctly. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to definitely be something that they continue year in and year out. I think it brings an added excitement to uh, to the race. I think oh, we're missing something here. Though. Missing yeah, I just something. caught this. It's a night race. Night racing in Martinsville. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you, Just Dad. caught that. I mean, we're talking about a Friday night race here. We're going Martinsville night racing, and I think I might be wrong. I'm not sure on the state regulations or whatever, but I think fans are allowed for this one this year. Obviously, limited capacity. Yeah, I'm not sure of the limitations there, Taz, at, uh, in Virginia, but I'm sure that they have been a lot leaner now than what they have been in the past. Let's yeah, see, we I, got think, the, I think it's going to be limited. Yeah, I believe it's limited. I have to double-check. But the schedule for this weekend, Thursday, April 8th, 8 o'clock p.m., all times are Eastern will be the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Tour for the Virginia is for Racing Lovers 200. That'll only be broadcasted on MRN. So that's the radio 
thing you have to listen to. There, I don't see a TV broadcaster for that. So Friday, April 9th, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Cash for Cash, hook out 250, 8 o'clock, start time on FS1, MRN, and TSN2 for you Canadian folks. And Saturday, April 10th, the NASCAR Cup Series at 7.30 p.m. We'll take the green flag for the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500. And shockingly, on FS1, not on the main Fox broadcast channel, well, that's MRN for and, people that don't and get the main TSN. Yeah, it's, it's honest. On, on FS1, I mean, Martinsville Night Race, you want it on the main broadcast. Like, what? What? Yeah, to me that, that I don't know, and it sounds it sounds funny, and you know you can relate to this, but Chris and I definitely can. So can CJ and and Miss Lee if she's working. For years it was the goodies. Was it goodies, Chris, or was that Bristol? I could have sworn it was Martinsville. What's that? The title sponsor for this race. It used to be goodies, was it not? Yeah, I believe so. Goodies, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So it's it's weird to hear exactly. Blue Emu uh, headache powder is going to be your sponsor. But yes, it is definitely strange for it not to be on uh, a top network uh, broadcasting like Fox. What, what network are they putting it on, Taz? They're putting FS1. it on FS1 instead of the main Fox broadcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. This is where we, this is where we've all of a sudden left the uh, mainstream broadcast and are going to FS1, which alienates a lot of your crowd because they don't have the sports package up to the Fox Sports One. That's unfortunate. Yeah, so we have 37 cars for the Cup Series. They're going to be entering in 43 for Xfinity, but because there's no qualifying, it's going to be based on their formula nonsense from the last race these two series had. So in terms of Xfinity lineup, we're looking at Harrison Burton, Justin Allgaier front row, A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemricks behind them, Justin Haley, Austin Sindrick, row three, Riley Herbst and Maya Snyder, row four, Noah Gregson, Michael Annette, row five, Jeremy Clements, Ryan Sieg, row six. Jeb Burton and Landon Castle make up row seven. Uh, Williams and Gibbs, row eight. Row nine is Martins and Jeffrey Earnhardt. Brown and I believe that's Timmy Hill to make up row ten. Little and LeBay, 11, in row eleven. Howard and Jones, row twelve. Dovic and Curry, row thirteen. Moffitt and Joe Graff Jr., row fourteen. Josh Berry and Buford, row 15. Row 16 is Kyle Weatherman and Perkins. Yaley and Starr behind them. Ryan Vargas and Mills. Gorham, Parsons, Scalding, and Jeff Skull will be your 40 cars, but that's unofficial, but that's what we're looking at. And then for the Cup Series, Logano Hamlin, your front row. Byron Blaney, row 2. Elliot Stenhouse, row 3. Truex Newman, row 4. Harvick, Keselowski, row five. Suarez, Kyle Busch, row six. Reddick and McDowell, row seven. Row eight, we'll find Busher and Jones. Priest and Austin Dillon make up row nine. Larson and Bowman, row ten. Kurt Busch and 
Dibby. Think of row 11. Bell and Briscoe, row 12. Bubba and Custer, row 13. Chastain, Yaley, row 14. Quinn House, Justin Haley, row 15. Almarola, Cody Ware. In row 16, row 17 is going to be Blicky and LaJoy. Alfredo, McLeod, and Davison round out the field. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be. I, I don't know. I'm still stuck on this whole FS1 thing. Uh, I don't quite understand why they did that. But who knows what Fox has got going on on uh, Saturday night. So we'll just have to see. Our guest is due to call in here in about uh, two and a half minutes. I had to send him the uh I had to send him a message to tell him to call in now. So uh Chris you had a good you had a good Easter weekend. Oh what's the uh, area? Yes, yeah, yes, I had a good Easter weekend. Uh we we did a little racing on Saturday night, I had a low crowd, one car count, fifty seven cars. Uh, but all in all, uh, it was a great Easter, and, uh, you know, we got some uh, good plans coming up here at Talladega just right around the corner. Thank you for asking us. All right. Well, apparently the next-gen car tested for two days, a tire test at Darlington this past week. Um, Tyler Reddick takes the wheel for the Goodyear tire testing Tuesday and Wednesday at Darlington. Uh, this week's test marks the first appearance of the historic South Carolina track for the next-gen model, which is scheduled for its official competition debut in the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series. Manufacturer-specific next-gen cars are also tested. were also tested last week at Martinsville, gathering data with wheel force transducers. The workhorse P3 prototype will also be used at Darlington. The two-day test session marks the 25-year-old Reddick's first drive of the next-gen model. Austin Dillon, his Richard Childers teammate, was the test driver on the first in the first on-track shakedown for the next-gen car in 2019 at Richmond. <coughs> NASCAR officials indicated in a February competition briefing that the next-gen car development stage complete and the tire tests are also scheduled. For Texas Motor Speedway and Bristol later this year, the six three number is six three one number is our guest. We'll get to him right after this. Um, officials also said the organizational test will be held after the Charlotte Roval, October tenth, with two other sessions scheduled after the season concludes. So this is definitely going to be uh, interesting. As I, I don't know if you guys were listening earlier this week at all, but they're also talking about, and we talked touched on it last week, about leaving these cars for their cars for Bristol for next year. So it'll be interesting to see if we do, if NASCAR does that. All right, it is time to bring our guest in to the studio. I want to welcome Dave to Race Chat Live. He's the owner of Hillbilly Motorsports, and uh, he's going to tell us how he got started in racing, why he got started in racing, 
and uh, this should be. He actually had an interesting session earlier uh, yesterday that he uploaded to his YouTube page. Dave, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing tonight? You know what? We're above ground. It's a good day. So, right? How did you get started? How did you get started in? How did you get started in racing? Well, pretty Tell much. You know, as a young kid, I mean, between my mom, my dad, my cousins, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, I watched Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid because, you know, we only had antennas. So it, it was pretty much one of those things. It was just there. Demolition derbies were the thing to go watch my cousin, you know, Greeny, and he would put on a show. And, yeah, eventually – my father says, okay, you know, so I'll put my, I'll, I'll put money up. Guy, he hit a couple hundred bucks. And uh, I think I was 17. Guy named uh, Skip Pickwick from upstate New York put me in a car. His daughter's car, actually. And we ended up doing very good. It was awesome. I talk to him now, and he's uh, an inspiration. He always gives me great words of advice. I believe he just had a birthday. Just the other day, he turned 75 or something like that. I don't know. I don't want to get it wrong, but he's an awesome guy. Um, uh, yeah, I moved to Long Island. I was looking for an outlet, a hobby, and I'd been to the local track, Riverhead Raceway, awesome place, great facility, great people. And... Yeah, they just welcomed me with open arms, gave me all the necessary advice and information, all the other drivers there at the track, and, yeah, it just blossomed from there. Um, as far as just racing in general, geez, my, I remember my mom, She, uh, her boyfriend had a 1970 Boss Ford 29. She put that thing on two wheels. I must have been 10. So it just runs in the family. Why? Why'd she put it on ten wheels? Two wheels? Was she? Two. She. Uh, yeah, two wheels. Uh, why was? Why she put it on two wheels? Was she? Uh, she did a wheelie stand. In a hurry. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Well, no. She. She. She just kind of looked over at me and she's like, "I really like this car." And I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Yeah, put your seatbelt on." So I, I reached over, I put my seatbelt on, and then all of a sudden, she just goes over and she revs it up, pops the clutch in second gear, grabs third gear, and. Sure enough, you know, we're about a foot up off the ground. That was a 1970 Boss 429. That car was an animal, black on black. Boy, I, I, I wish I, I knew if that car was still around. You know, that was, an, that, that was an awesome car. That's awesome. So what made you, how long ago did you uh, decide, you know what, I'm going to take this game to Florida? And what part of Florida are you in? I'm actually down in Spring Hill, so... Uh, I've got several tracks that I can go to within a couple hours of me. I've been to Auburndale. I raced over there with Strickland and the boys. Um, And modified racing, I'll I'll tell you, it it is definitely a step up. You know, we were doing some testing Friday or Wednesday last week, and, you know, we're, we're changing setups. We're making adjustments. We're seeing what the car will take, what, you know, what changes affect the car. And it's a big learning curve. And for me, I, I needed to learn a lot more. So this past weekend, I put Nicholas Malverde, a, a good acquaintance, a uh, 22-year-old kid. He's got 125 feature wins, I think two, three championships in various classes. And he had taken it out for testing on Wednesday, and he looked so good in it 
I was like, you know something, let me focus on doing the setup, being crew chief right now and learning the car. And I can take it out when I, you know, whenever I want to. And, but yeah, the kid did a stellar job. You know, he started ninth. We were a little over on left side weight. And yeah, he brought it up at one point. I think he was in second place. I, 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 I can't remember. I've watched that video so many times, so much footage. We, we kind of compacted two days worth of footage into a 50 minute video. And it's really, really great. You really got to check it out. So what? Yeah, I, so this is Ted Taylor here, and what kind of cars do you race uh, right now, or, or what have you raced so far? Well, let's see. I, I've raced a dirt four-cylinder car, dirt street stock. Um, I've raced a street stock at Riverhead Raceway. Um, I've jumped in a go kart a few times. You know, of course, uh, I'm sure we all have. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've been doing that since I was a little kid, also, but. Uh, right now we've got the modified sitting down, well, sitting in the trailer right now. Uh, and pretty much that's an open wheel mod. So with that division, we have to run on eight inch tires, stock suspension, uh, stock brakes, uh, that chassis based off of a 69 Chevelle chassis. So it's a little bit different than a dirt modified, but very similar. So a lot a lot of new adjustments for me uh let's say we, we've got the i mean we've got the what was that explain what you mean by similar but different okay well for a dirt modified dirt cars the setup is completely different um dirt cars you want them to rotate in a different manner so you're going to some guys like to run a certain amount of cross but the cars are set up differently. It, you're running different size springs. You know, we we in asphalt racing, we want to be low, you know, mean and lean, pretty much. Uh, low to the ground. In a dirt racing, you'll notice that the left front wheel will come up off the ground sometimes with various setups. And that, and we're not allowed to have that in an in a asphalt setup because we want that tire to grip. So the, it's just a big difference in setups that's you know that's the difference between dirt and asphalt okay go ahead Dad. well this, this is christopher uh uh i'm actually the producer uh um so wait a minute i, I think in dirt racing I've, I've been told for a long time that all four tires is better on the ground than uh toting that left front uh but but it is interesting what you said about the uh about the setups on the car basically she looks like a modified but she's set up more like a street stock or a late model? What? Uh, more like a late model or or a super pro truck. Actually, very, very similar to, to a super pro truck. Quick change rear end, uh, third link, uh, J-bar, you know, that style of rear end suspension. But in the front, you know, it, it's got the outer tie rod ends that are replaced with heim joints. Um, the inner the, the inner tie rod ends are stock tie rod ends with a stock center link. Um, you have to have, you know, a regular steering box. You can't have a rack and pinion uh, unless your car is based off of a 80-something Mustang, which I haven't seen that one yet, although that would be a good one. Um, <laughs> give me ideas here to build cars. <laughs> it, it, it's just, yeah, I, I mean... The how division many, how many in your area run that class. 
Oh, geez, there, there's probably several thousand of these cars out there. There's just no real division for it. And I've been discussing with several other Florida modified drivers about putting a division together so we can actually run for points, you know, and, right. and have like a points championship of 20 races throughout the year. Um, right. And, you know, that would be an amazing feat. But there's a lot of hesitation on it. Who's going to promote it? Who's going to do this? Who's going to manage it? And a lot of us drivers want to drive, and that's the problem. Nobody wants to step up and say, you know something, let me take a step back and, and do this. For me, I don't know how to do that. Um, I've been breaking into my YouTubing and video editing, editing and stuff like that. But for me to break into promoting a track, promoting a series would be just too big. Somebody uh, with a good name really needs to take that on down here. Now, is this a UMP modified or a Northeast modified? Or uh, This is a Florida open wheel modified. Um, we're running built motors. Uh, some guys are running 700 horse. Some guys are running 750. Uh, us, we're down on motor. We're down at 500 horse. Uh, we don't have nothing special, you know, but we're, we're trying to compete with the big guys. And, you know, some of those guys have forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in their cars and, yeah, I, I, I think the motor in my car was came out of a junkyard somewhere because when I got it, we had to tear it all apart and fix it and, you know, do all kinds of good things. But no, I'm just joking. The guy was a great guy when he sold me the car. But, you know, we, it, we, we, we have a lot of work to do to the car to be able to get up to that level of competitiveness. Um, and it's just off the so, and, and that's all with the modified. We've still got the figure eight car, dirt street stock. And uh, I made a deal for uh, to put together an outlaw street stock, which is basically a late model chassis with a small block Chevy 350 in it that's almost stock. Those racing terminology, almost stock, I love it. Uh, we know there's nothing stock about stock cars. So uh, when, you, well, when, you're trying to, when you're trying to squeeze a street stock into a late model, I know that there's uh there's there's got to be some uh, some added uh, added things to the to this class, uh, but we have a similar class that you're talking about up around our area from Hattiesburg Speedway. It's an outlaw class, a street stock, and and I'll be honest with you, other than the noses and the uh, and the uh, flares on the back fenders, uh, the you know the the cars look very similar to a late model. Um, Bowman Gray was that actually runs a very, very similar class. Uh, we call it an outlaw street stock. They call it a street stock. Um, some other tracks in North Carolina, they'll call it a late model. You can take that very same car that you run at Bowman Gray and bring it to Caraway and run it with their late models because they're comparable. Um, you know, in Riverhead, they used to have a division called Charger Division. It was, a, it, it was in, in between... An enduro car, a grand enduro car, and a late model. It was an affordable division that guys spent stupid money on, but it was an awesome division based on 108, you know, 108 inch long chassis, basic Monte Carlo chassis, metric chassis, and yeah, it was a great division, but they did away with it. So, right. This this for me down here works out. I got a guy that's potentially jumping in it. He wants to drive it for a season, but, uh, you know, again, he needs sponsorships. I don't mind putting
putting cars together for people. I don't mind putting people in cars. I don't mind helping people live a dream like I did with Nikki. Um, it, it's a really great thing that I did with him. We're going to try to see if we can continue it. But, you know, again, sponsorship. You know, he needs, he needs right. sponsors. Well, now, I, I heard you say something about putting a new kid in your car and then uh, um, different cars. Uh, also, I've been, yeah, I've been hearing this about a YouTube channel and stuff like that. Uh, uh, first, let's go back to the driver there, the, the, the guy that you put into the race car. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So, some people that may be listening, you know, they've got me on Facebook. Uh, we went to practice and everything, and, and at the end of the night, we got we went to this place called uh, Steak and Lou, Quaker Steak and Lou. Now, that's Steak and Lou. Great bar, great place, great restaurant. The waitress was phenomenal. Now, I really hope my boys went over and tipped them really good that night because – we stayed a little, a little extra late. I think we were there till like eleven, and they closed the doors at nine, nine, nine thirty or something. But yeah, we, after after a couple uh, libation, you know, libations, uh, somebody went over and said, you know, something. Nick should drive the modified because he did do really good. Now he, he impressed me, and I was waiting for the subject to come up. And I was like, look, you know, you, you, you're gonna have to do something here, to, you know, to make this happen. And sure enough. Somebody said, well, we'll try this red hot challenge thing. So me being me, I'm like, all right, you know, something, you know, at least three of you got to eat it. Cause you know, some guys, you know, they're, you know, their tummies, they can't handle it or whatever. But so I called the waitress over and the waitress comes over and she says, well, the kitchen's closed. I said, okay, well, listen, these guys still got chicken tenders and whatnot. Just bring us some of the sauce. And yeah, I, I'll actually share it to the, you know, to the Facebook page and, it's just comical how it went about. The, the three guys ended up eating it, and one guy ended up running to the bathroom and puking. And I, I just got to give it to them because those guys, they, they definitely sucked it up, and they took one for the team. You know, that that's what uh, being – well, first off, a brother. Uh, it was his brother, Chris, that really took one for the team, and I really got to give him credit, man. Sounds <laughs> like you're a fun guy to hang around. Oh, my now, God. I, I felt sorry for him the next morning. <laughs> now, what track, asphalt, or asphalt and dirt, if you want to do that, have you raced at that you can consider, like, your favorite to go to if you had the chance to or you actually do? Well, um, all I can say is that my birthday's coming up, and, you know, certain people know me well enough. They know that I do something big for my birthday. So May 15th, we're going to be doing something big, and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be at one of the uh, checklist tracks that I want to go to. Um, and it's here in Florida, but it's about three hours away from me, and it's on the East Coast. So if you know me well enough, you know that I've already been there. And uh, it's going to be an awesome time. We'll definitely have a lot of video content. And everybody will know about it when time comes. Um, so, so let's get back to the YouTube channel and all. So you've uh, dabbed out into the uh, influencer uh, arena. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, how it got started, how many followers you got, and uh, the reason why we should direct people to your YouTube channel. Well, you know, as far as the YouTube channel goes, it's just the, it's just the common stuff that we do in the shop, we do at the racetrack. I'm trying to include as much content as possible. You know, you'll, you'll see a couple of videos of us working in the garage on the race car, on the figure eight car. 
Um, you'll see us just shooting. You know, I, I've got a, I was contemplating doing a video of us just going out and riding quads and shooting guns just because it's not always about racing. It's about going out and having fun and enjoying the time with the same people that you spend so much time with at the racetrack. Um, outside of the racetrack, you know, you, you, you got to shut it off once in a while. And I want to show people. Can you say that louder you know, for the people in the back? <laughs> I mean, I just want people to, you know, to know that it's, it, it's, it's not all racing. It's, you know, racing is great, but there's the other side to racing, the friends, the family, the new people that you meet every day. You know, it's about the camaraderie that you experience at the track. I, I can't tell you how many drivers have called me up and asked me if I needed anything, you know, um, Brandon, I was just, he's another open wheel modified driver. He was on the phone with me a couple hours ago asking me if I wanted to try this part or if I want to try this part. And that he's got, you know, a couple things he wants to bring with us to uh, Ponta Gorda this weekend where we're going to be doing more, you know, more videos. And hopefully uh, I can convince Nick to jump in the car over at Ponta Gorda and see how he does over there because uh, we're going to be ready. He, he was running first and second, so I don't see why he. I don't see why he can't win with the car. So we're gonna see. Yeah. Now, now, what's the uh, what's the call letters on that uh, YouTube channel there, bud? Uh, it's uh, Hillbilly Motorsports. What is he? Is there a particular reason why we did the D in Motorsports? Yeah, yeah. Instead of an S at the end, Hillbilly Motorsports. Go ahead, Dan. Is there, is there a reason why we went with the Z in Hilda in uh, motorsports of the usual way? <laughs> Just because, man, you know, one of my buddies used to call me Hillbilly. And, you know, he, he, he always told me I could never do anything right and I always break everything. So I figure if I'm going to do something wrong, I'm actually going to do it right, do it my way. So I figured I'd spell it wrong. <laughs> And it, it just worked out. I, I typed it in, the, you know, the website and everything else, and, you know, I, I, I looked it up, and it, it just worked. I was like, wow, all right, I, I'm doing this. And, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Um, right now we've got, I think, 40 subscribers. We're trying to get, you know, a lot more. We're trying, but I got to get some more good content out there. I got to do some more racing, and that takes sponsors, you know. How many sponsors do you have currently for your for your team? Uh, myself. <laughs> Actually, no. We, we do we do have Leadfoot Race Products. He he came on, you know, with a couple small stuff that we needed to track. You know, the nuts and bolts. You know, the stuff that you're always missing. Um, he, you know, he's he's giving me a discount on some shocks that I'm probably going to need. So he's working with us on you know on on parts. So, but that's really it. I mean. I don't have really truly any big sponsors that pay for tires, that pay for fuel, that pay for lodging. You know, a, a typical night with a modified is about two thousand dollars. So, I, I would like to get ten, fifteen races in this year. That's what that, that that's what I'd like to do, and then secure a sponsorship for next year so we can actually set up a whole season and specific races for our sponsors and be able to actually do something nice for them. And our fans, of course. What's the biggest accomplishment so far in your racing career? Um, 
beating it, it not not beating um competing with a gentleman named Roger Oxy uh last season uh it, it it was it was a great accomplishment to me personally uh there's a lot of there was a lot of great drivers at Riverhead in, in that division but Roger Oxy was I believe 10 time late model champion that came into the street stocks and I I battled with him all season you know race clean always respected me but prior to prior to the season starting uh I was being that young guy that was running my mouth for the old veteran and you know, so it, it created a little bit of rivalry on you know on the track, and it, it was really good, and I really enjoyed it. It's probably one of the highlights, of, you know, so far of my career. Just being on just being on the track with somebody like that of that you know stature of that you know. What's with, what's one track you haven't raced yet that's on your bucket list? Um, Sebring. Any particular reason? Sebring? <laughs> Sebring. That's my guy right there. That's what I was talking about. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's on the bucket list, and I have a certain car that I've been putting together the last few weeks. That is a left and right-hand car, and most people know what that is. It's a figure-eight car, and I'm going to put a tranny in it just to go to Sebring. Probably a six-speed, and... You'll have some fun with 600 horse and some nitrous at Sebring. Just because I can. I mean, is that enough? I mean, it's going to be an awesome video. We're talking about the, the Sebring, the, the the road course. The, uh, yes, yes, the road course with, with a figure eight car. That's beautiful, man. I love it. And nitrous. <laughs> and, and, and nitrous. No Just because I can. <laughs> I, I, I figured out you know how to party and you got that frame of mind, man. Let's go race. Exactly. I'll tell you what. I will even invite you down for that day. All right. You you can help us out with the videos. All right. It's gonna be a, it, it's gonna be an awesome time. Yeah, we'll fire up the uh, we'll we'll fire up the uh, the Lear here and. Uh, uh, try to be down there by morning time. I tell you, you're in South Florida. We're not but about 11 hours away from you. Yeah, no, I, I was about to say, I, I know a certain 10-year-old kid that would make sure that you made it down there on that time, and, and I'm sure he'd be, like, dragging you down. <laughs> I tell you to look at your at your Facebook page, and you've got quite a few followers there. I couldn't find the YouTube channel. Maybe I made a misspelling or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's it's I found the uh, I found the, the the Facebook page here, so I'm I'm gonna have a lot of delight going back and uh, watching some of your content. Uh, you know, so you you you. you Kind of seem like an entrepreneur type in the racing business. You don't mind people driving your cars. There's there's a certain racer that won't let anybody even around his car, much less drive his damn car. How did you How did you become so free for all when it with, with this? I mean, did you start scouting talent? Did you just get drunk with some of your buddies and be like, Hey, man, you know, let me wheel that car. Okay, I'm gonna let you drive this Saturday. Uh, how did that come about? Because uh, some guys are pretty reluctant on allowing other people to drive their cars. 
Well, with Nicholas, it was – well, it did involve alcohol and involved his father. Um, <laughs> N- Nicholas's dad is, you know, he's got over 300 feature wins, uh, seven championships, and I ran into him at a local bar down here, and, you know, I, I, I was paying attention to everything else and not really trying to pay attention to him, but he, he came over and he gave me a nudge. He was like – I'll put that modified in the top five. First time I touch it. I'm like, you're right. So it started with the year right, the, him coming over to my garage with his son and agreeing to take it out for practice. So I agreed to, you know, give the kid a set of tires for practice and he could take it out for two practices. And like, you know, like I said earlier, the kid just looked so good in the car. It was kind of hard not to, you know, not to put him up to it and say, hey, you want to drive the car. But I had to make him earn it with his, you know, with his brother and the hot sauce. Totally epic, man. It was, it was awesome. Really had to be able to see that one. Um, but no, it, and you know something? His father was right. The kid pulled off a fourth place, you know, fourth place finish. He put it in the top five the first time he was there. So... <laughs> I mean, you said something earlier in the interview that you like to make, you like to help people make dreams come true. You must be a dreamer yes, yourself. What, what would, what would your ultimate uh, dream be? Uh, maybe as a car owner or as a, uh, as a driver yourself. Uh, winning championship. Winning what? Winning a championship. And what division? Every division. Or any. I mean, go big or go, you know, or go home, right? Right. I mean, I know that winning a championship in every division is not going to happen, but you might as well set the bar high. And maybe I'll get a championship or two, you know? So, right. I mean, but winning a championship would be, you know, winning a championship would be great. You know, some guys don't even win a race their entire career. Um, and, sure? and I'm not saying me winning a championship – by me racing or by somebody else racing my car, whatever the case may be as a car owner or a racer, I want to win a championship either way and I'll do whatever it takes to win that. You know, if it, if it involves me sacrificing me driving my modified to put Nick in that seat full time, if we can get him a sponsor, I will do so. But, you know, we've got to get him that sponsor to be able to do that. You know, until then, I'm putting the bill. I might as well drive the car. <clears throat> you know, until he gets more seat time, gets better, see see how the situation goes. Um, everything's kind of up in the air. We're still in talks. So. You had said earlier, Dave, that uh, that? Yeah, he's kind of fading out there. I'm not sure what's going on. Taz, go ahead. So, do you have uh, any, besides yourself, you want to do any sponsor plugs and social media plugs real quick before uh, we let you go here very shortly? Um, I just want to reach out and say thank you to everybody that's been there and supported me throughout. I don't know. Um, and, and the important people know who they are. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't have done it without them. Like, you know, without their support, without their constant nagging and persistence and a swift kick in the butt every once in a while, 
um, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that, that's all the sponsors I need, really. I mean, they just keep me going every day, you know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. And, and we're glad that you come on, David. Uh, I think we're having uh, some technical issues, um, so we'll, we'll see past that. Uh, Dave, uh, we've gotten to know a little bit about you already. We'd love to have you back on later on. Uh, we're kind of strapped for time here tonight, uh, but uh, we'll definitely Absolutely. look forward to uh, giving you another interview time uh, later in the year. Um, anytime, anytime. I, I guess I'm intrigued by the thing that you said about championships. What saluted you from championships so far? Uh, was that just not a focus or uh, uh, can funding? You, can you budget? Bud- budget. Budget. Yeah, budget, money. I mean, it's it's always the biggest factor in racing. You know, is there enough money right. to keep us racing? Um, you know, I may have sold my house on Long Island, but I only allocated so much for racing. You know, it it, it runs out right. eventually. So, well, uh, I think that some of the best racers know not to spend their fortune on uh, on race cars because it's uh, really it, it's it's, it's, it's only a one way street. Uh, so that's actually, uh, sir. I was just gonna say, quickest way to make a hundred thousand is start is buy a race car and start with a million. Yeah, yeah, that's Felix Sabatis all day long. The best way to make a million is to bring two. So, um, definitely, uh, definitely, racing is a hobby for most. Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, and with your charisma and your attitude and, and uh, what you bring to the table, uh, if I was a sponsor willing and dealing uh, in the, uh, in the uh, uh, corporate world, I would, definitely, uh, I, I would definitely like what I hear from you. And uh, I think that you yeah. could uh, definitely uh, represent a company well in that matter. Uh, we get a lot of guys on here that don't know how to fill up 30-minute time lengths, and then we have somebody like you who – I think we could probably go for two hours with, but uh, unfortunately, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. When it comes to racing, but um, hey, listen, save it for next time. All right, look forward to it. Sounds good. All right, you have All a good right, night. Now, tell us one more time, man, where those wow. uh, where those Facebook and that YouTube channel is. Hillbilly Motorsports. You can find it on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, sounds good. All right, we appreciate it, man. No problem. You have a great night. You too. All right, Taz, Taz, Taz. There's, that was our guest. Uh, great job by Craig Moore. I think Craig uh, dropped out there. Otis, and uh, I hope he has a great night. Um, yeah, so uh, that was Hillbilly Motorsports. Uh, go check out, check them out on the Facebook page. Go check them out on the. Uh, uh, on the YouTube channel there. We'll try to find that, that link to the YouTube channel and share it out uh, as well. We definitely, uh, I've definitely see some room of improvement on our side. Uh, we've kind of botched this whole show tonight. It's kind of gotten me a little irritated, but we're going to press on, and uh, hopefully me and Taz will finish out this show and have a, have a better perspective on things uh, for our next show because this is definitely uh, – Kind of a, you know, not outside the guest. This has kind of turned into a shit show. Um, but uh, so let's. I digress. Let's uh, move on. Uh, Taz, uh, well, what do we have here? Let's go into my favorite time that I believe that we set aside, and that's where you get to tell us a little bit about what's going on in that northeastern region, bud. Well, 
I'm going to do Northeast region down south in your neck of the woods there for a second because this past weekend, the Short Trek Super Series Cajun region kicked off their 2021 campaign down at Chatham, Louisiana for Chatham Speedway. They had 14 cars for their first event, which was quite impressive. $1,000 on the line for the winner. The, they had two heat races. Top three went to the redraw. They, their heat race winners was Keith Badiali and Caleb Dillard. Then their feature event went as follows to their final results. As there was no broadcast to really watch it. They're working on that, but they didn't have a broadcast, and I couldn't find a video to kind of do a recap for y'all. But the winner of the first ever Short Track Super Series Cajun Region Modified Event at Chatham Speedway, the winner was Cody Robbins. Tommy Rasco finished second. Tommy Rasco led all the laps except for the final lap. Coming to the, I guess to, coming to the white flag, Cody Robbins took the lead from Rasco, and the rest was history. Caleb Dillard finishes in third. Greg Dillard in fourth. Keith Spadiali rounds out the top five. Richard Holt in sixth. Thomas Holt seventh. Joe Boswell eighth. Michael Crompengol, David Forbes, Gerald Cook, Brent Buckley, Jimmy McComas, and Corey Oltz round out the field. The APE Racing Engines bonus of $75 went to Cody Robbins. Dave Motorsports American Racer Tire bonus, which is a free certificate, went to Michael Crumpengall. And the Shed Road Auto Parts Hard Charger of a $100 prize went to Cody Robbins, who started eighth and, of course, won the feature. It seems like everyone had a great time. Apparently, there are more cars in the works from what I have heard or seen here on Facebook. And we are getting ready for some Fonda Speedway action as the Fonda Speedway will be starting their practice in 2021 season here shortly. I believe we're coming up to it. Yes. This coming Saturday, April 10th, is an open practice. Rain date will be the Sunday, April 11th. And then April 17th is the 2021 season opener with the Sunoco Modified, the Swagger Factory Apparel, Crate 602 Sportsman, the Montgomery County Limited Office of Aging, and then the... The four cylinders, the pro stocks are back, and street stocks are no longer a division. I would believe that's the car count thing here. But, yeah, we're we're getting into race season up here finally, up here in the Northeast. And uh, can't wait to kick it off. Yeah, you got anything down there, Chris? Yeah, man. Yeah, I want to go back to that, uh, <clears throat> what you're talking about with this Big Block Modified series. And, uh, you know, I knew from the start, I'm going to tell you that, uh, and I think you know this because you've been on part of this show since that, 
I, I stated the very first time Brandon Hightower come on that I really thought that this what, this series had a chance in the South. And already having 14 cars, and I would pretty much guess that most 14, well, at least 11 out of 14 cars uh, are already uh, Southern cars that are that are adopting this series. Um, I, I expect this thing to explode in the next year or two. He was Brandon was very very strategic by bringing it to Louisiana because Texas has had such a fall off over the last few years with racetracks. Florida has you know they have their they have their rules. They have Florida. I, I believe Florida is like sanctioned in some way, if I'm not mistaken, similar to New York and other places where it's really hard to bring in uh, new types of series and stuff to to that. Uh, to to that effect. Now, whether or not they adopt the series, I believe that's, but, you know, if you're going to start a series, Louisiana is one of the best places to do it because there's people in Louisiana that have really good jobs in the oil fields and stuff of that, and they can afford this type of class. Uh, then on top of that, you get the Dillards involved, and, uh, you know, I mean, you're almost destined for success. Uh, so I'm really excited about what we're seeing here. And it, did you say that they raced for a thousand dollars to win? Is that correct, Taz? Yes, the Short Trek Super Series Cajun Region this past weekend they ran for a thousand dollars. But according to their rule book, which I'll be pulling up here pretty shortly, is that if they pull ten at least ten cars for an event. They will. The winner will take home a thousand dollars to win. And yeah, that they're really trying to kick into high gear. Oh, there we go. Now that I found it. So now this class typically pays. This is a twenty thousand dollar purse type class uh, for the big races up in the northeastern eastern region, right? I mean. These 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 cars kind of bring in the revenue up in the northeastern region. Am I not mistaken? In a way, yes. Because now that with you saying that, um, Jimmy McComas bought a car from a big name of modified racing, uh, Jeff Hetzler. McComas normally runs wing modified with his 21, but I don't know if he didn't switch his body over or whatnot. But he kept the body and graphics from the Jeff Hetzler J17 ride and he said he put his Dave Motorsports vinyl decal on the car and he ran with that I know Caleb Dillard bought the the Bicknell chassis from that he has now from Matt Shepard who is one of the top modified drivers up here in the Northeast and for their minimum purse structure for a race, 10 cars or more, it's $1,000 to win, 750 for less than that to win. And then they have a point fund that says drivers finishing inside top 10 in points with attendance at 75% or more of the events will be eligible for point fund money at the end of the season. And it'll be distributed um, during the Cajun swing in November when us Northeast people get to come down for three, four days of racing down there. It's amazing. I'm just excited about other tracks finding out about these guys and seeing the domino effect that happens because the modifieds have been so out of control in this region 
and we've seen success by the USMDS Modifieds. We watched USAC, uh, USES Modifieds for a while. We've, we've typically run a UMP Modified, but now they have a Crate Modified class by Crate Racing USA, and everybody knows how I feel about all these crate cars and crate classes that, you know, just, it's just, uh, you know, I, I have my certain feelings about it. I'm not going to, I'm not just, I'm just not going to waste time uh, reiterating what I've said many times before. Uh, but to see this kind of class kick off and to understand that, hey, we're starting out with a decent purse, $1,000, 14 cars. Uh, they raced for a $1,500 street stock race over at Deep South the other night. And I think 10 cars showed up. So, uh, <laughs> you know, these these guys are going to put on a hell of a show for you. I mean, compared to last year when they very first did a Northeast modified race down there in Louisiana, they only had three in their first event. So to go from three in your first event one year ago to 14 in your first event a year later, later that speaks a lot of volumes. And it comes to show that Brandon partnered up with the right guy, and he made things work. The Bates brothers, Tim and Chris Bates, who also run TCB Motorsports, they have they're the series directors, and they we're, we're going to have uh, Tim Bates come on next month. As a matter of fact, to talk about not only the TCB Motorsports, but also the Short Track Super Series Cajun region, how the whole thing came about, what their expectations are and whatnot. So it's fun It's fun to see. And last I looked at on Facebook, as a matter of fact, it seems like they've never had a series before this year, or even last year, if you want to put last year in there, since 2015 from what I saw on Facebook. And some of the guys that I mentioned earlier were some of the guys that ran that series. And it's great to see that they now have, they brought the Northeast style modified back into Louisiana and we're going big block modified racing down there. Sorry, the old mute button on there. My bad. But yeah, uh, like I said, it's very exciting to see this class build up and uh, the potential, I believe, in the southeastern region is far more than uh, what anybody even comprehends at this point in time. I could see uh, some of these other series really having uh, uh, competitive... uh, they, there will be some competition on who races what very soon here uh, in the, with the direction that, uh, that this series is going in. Yeah, and I, if I remember right, I'm going to try to see if I can find it quick. The point fund this year, I think, is a $3,000 championship point fund. I'm trying to find it quick here. But as far as, like, they, yeah, they have Day Motorsports being the – basically the tire supplier for and the series runs on American Racer tires, not on Hoosier. And they have APE 
engine engine performance with them. It will supply $75 cash for the first highest finishing driver of each event. And they have 12 races. They're going to four tracks, but 12 point-spinning races. And then in November, we're going to Arklatex and finishing things off with the mods in the March 75 at Chatham, which last year Matt Shepard swept all three races down there at Arklatex. Two races at Arklatex and, of course, the mods in March 75 at Chatham Speedway. And it's just amazing how far along that Northeast Modifieds have come. And, yes, Tim Bates Painting announced a $3,000 contribution for the Cajun Region Point Fund. So a lot of money to start off on your first your first year. And they have amazing guys to really kick things off. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we we had uh, just uh, our local racing uh, this past week. Unfortunately, it was kind of low car counts. It was a little chilly outside too, and it was Easter weekend, so we won't panic just yet. But uh, we definitely need to get uh, people out to the dirt tracks around our area. I know a lot of the tracks are competing on top of each other, and payouts are just absolutely ridiculous right now in some racetracks um, that have a little bit deeper pocketbooks than others. But you know. Those tracks are uh, fairly new, and they always have management issues, and they are always losing their promoters and gaining new ones. And uh, the same old guys that have been uh, doing the tricks for the last decade are are still ticking, and uh, it's because they know how to manage that money side of, of the situation. But uh, that's no knock at any of these other tracks. It's just my, uh, once again, my opinion, my show, my opinion. That's just the way it is. Uh, I think we can get away with a little bit of that cockiness, can't we, Task? Sure. My, why not? So anyway, uh, um, I want to see I want to see racing prosper in our area. And uh, when you have competitive tracks all competing for the same few cars that are actually out there, and you have tracks that are willing to pay a heck of a lot more money uh, than other tracks, you're not really helping yourself. You're actually hurting yourself, and you're hurting racing. Um, I'm not saying that the racer doesn't deserve a better payout, but what I am saying is when you think that you're a racetrack and you can crush another racetrack just because you pay more, generally those are the those are the times where your facility turns into a shit show. And you, you wind up with all the dirty racers that uh, were no longer welcomed at the racetrack in your own in your own backyard and they just take that cancer over uh, to those racetracks as well. And eventually Everybody gets mad and they wind up going back to the other. I don't know how it works up where you are, Taz, but that's kind of a, a, a how it works down here. And see, for up here, okay. we don't really have tracks. We don't really have tracks try to like compete for payout in terms of payouts and whatnot. We know that our whatever drivers are committed to their track, they're going to be committed to that track regardless of payout. Some of them up here will go wherever the money is. Like, good example I can say would be Matt Shepard. Matt Shepard, for the longest time on Saturday nights, would race at Land of Legends Raceway in Canandaigua. And then last year, 
when Orange County announced, hey, we have a $25,000 championship point fund for our point champion, our point champion for the big block modified gets $25,000. Shepard was iffy, wasn't sure, and then he said, you know what, I'm going where the money is, $25,000 for a point championship, we're going to go for it. So he switched his Saturday night home from Land of Legends in Canadawa and drive a couple hours towards Orange County Fair Speedway and ran the big blocks down there. So, so you, yeah, you have guys that will go to where they'll pay more, but for the most part up here in the Northeast, they'll go to where they feel committed the most. And that's how it'll go in terms of competitor for payouts. It's, it's going to be more in the series and you're going to see it more in the super dirt car series versus the Brett Dayo short track super series. Dayo get, has so many sponsors usually lined up that one driver said that he doesn't, he didn't do modified racing for full time, but with all the payouts and the bonus money that they get from the race in the short track super series that they could almost run full time now. And they've met and the team has been in operation for like three, almost four years. So it, in terms of super dirt car series, if they have a super dirt week qualifying race that pays 10,000 to win but other races, I don't exactly remember how much they pay to win, but I'm not sure if they get any bonus money or any outside sponsorships to help out. But they own Short Track Super Series. They compete a lot. And it's, yeah. I mean, you know, the show, Chaz. There's, there, there are series that are the show. You know, when you, when you have a, like the Lucas Oil and, you know, certain series, but, you know, we have a couple of state series that are really big. And, of course, you're going to have – a high purse, of course you're gonna. But I'm talking about weekly payout purses, man. I'm talking about some tracks paying a thousand dollars to win for late models. When just a year ago, those tracks and everybody else was paying five hundred dollars to win. So I mean, it's it's gotten to where it's like who's got the most money and and whatnot. And it's not it's not healthy for racing. Everybody should have the around the same payouts and work together to have that. The one thing was the one thing I will say with Brett Dale and his weekly tracks, he has his payout and he pretty much says, "Here's your payout. I don't care what other tracks have. If you show up, this is what you get. If you don't show up, well, and want to race somewhere else, okay, fine. Go go to where they pay out. And um, I believe the Outlaw Speedway they pay like a thousand dollars to win each race." I think that's it. And then over at, I think over at Fonda, you're talking like, I think it's like 2000 to win a race each week. So it's just in track in terms of weekly stuff. They're just kind of like, this is our payout. If you want to come race at our track, this is what we got. And a lot of the local tracks just know who their committed drivers are. And these drivers kind of, don't really care what the payout is. They just want to go out, race, and make some money out of it. 
unless you right. are a big unless you're a big name in racing, then you're just going to go wherever the money is, no matter if it's a weekly track or a series. Yeah. So what happens when two racers get into it at a racetrack up there? Does one cocktail have a big shout and piss match with the other driver on Facebook, and then the following weekend? One goes to a different racetrack than the other. Whatever happened to the day of, I'm going to have a pissing match with you, and then I'm going to show up, and I'm going to race you, and I'm going to beat you attitude. Well, you mentioned that, and it reminds me of the Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia with the Super Dirt Car Series. And Max McLaughlin and Matt Shepard, they had some kind of tangle in the race, and Matt Shepard went to McLaughlin's uh, pit trail, pit stall or trailer after the race, basically pulled a Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon type deal, gave him, punched him, actually physically punched him, and the series was like, you're on a, I think it's like a three-month probation or something, or, or probation period or something, like you can still race with us, but we're going to keep our eye on you, and so it de- it kind of depends on the driver. You either settle it out on the track. You can voice your opinions on the track by doing little nudges or whatever. Or you can do what Shepard does and confront them to your face. And if things get physical, then things get physical. Yeah, I have, I have a real issue with, with all the Facebook drama. And then, and, then, and then one driver going to a different place and race. Uh, even and that driver seems to be the one that has the issue with the other drivers. So I'm going to go over here and race because I don't want to race that guy anymore. Um, I, I just if you're tearing up my shit and uh, and we have issues, I, I'm not only going to repair my sheet metal, but I'm going to call you and make sure we're going to the same racetrack the next the next night because I'm going to see if you're brave enough to junk my shit again. Yeah. I think, I think in, in a lot of cases, this is where where racers are losing respect for one another uh, because they do a whole lot of pissing and crying and moaning on Facebook, and then when it comes to the track time, they go off and race somewhere else in a seven-car field or five-car field instead of showing up and racing the one who you know can beat your ass or at least come close to it. And uh, to me, that's that. if I'm a racer, I, I want to go where the challenge is. I want to go – I want to go – I want that guy to rub my fender again because if he runs my fender again, you already know I'm going to be at his trailer before he gets there, probably. And so, uh, you know, I think, uh, like somebody said uh, earlier, was it Turbo or something that said that's the problem with racing these days? Nobody wants to get punched in the mouth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it just, it just depends on the driver. I mean, some of them will, go, will have their dispute at the track, and who knows, maybe a day or two later, they're on Facebook joking around like nothing ever happened. And they let bygones be bygones. And sometimes, sometimes they'll do what you said. They'll just, you know, not, well, they'll just go to a different track. And the only time they'll race them is if it's like a series thing. And that's pretty much about it. Yeah, I'm I just one of those guys. I'd rather see the racers face each other than uh, than than not race each other. If, if I have a problem with a guy, I want to see him the next weekend so we can square that problem up instead of, like you said, showing up at some big race and junking 15 cars behind me because I had issues that were unresolved with the racer from you know a race two months ago. So uh, 
because the, the one thing about it, these guys will show up at racetracks together again, and then, of course, instead of facing. I just think these days these racers don't want confrontation, but they use Facebook as if everybody, you know, uh, it's a, the keyboard warrior syndrome, you know. You want to be a keyboard hero on Facebook, but then you don't want to back it up at the racetrack the next weekend. You want to go somewhere else and race. But I'll digress from that situation. I hope that certain people that I'm talking about are listening so they know that we gave them 15 minutes to talk about how how kind of uh, immature it is to, to, to race that way. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we've got Martinsville this weekend. Of course, it's Martinsville under the lights. It was supposed to be debuted last year, but uh, we were in COVID lockdown. A year ago, my, 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 my how has a year changed? Was it raining? I think it, no, I think it, no, I think it literally happened. It just had no fans, I believe, if I remembered right. Yeah, yeah, well, it started in the daytime and ended at night. They had the lights on. It really wasn't a night race. So this was going to be the first, and I believe it was run on a Tuesday night or something, or maybe a uh Maybe it was a Saturday or Sunday or whatever, but I remember it starting in the daytime and it finishing at night. With this one, I believe, you know, we're going to have an evening time start and uh, we'll get the full effect uh, of what it's like to have Martinsville under the lights. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we show up to Martinsville in uh, October and they have dirt on it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That would be interesting to see, but my thing is if, I'm not. We're not going to go back into the dirt, but all I'm saying is, if you're going to do a dirt race, especially for NASCAR, you might as well do it at night because that track will dry way too quick, as heavy as those cars are during the day. Right. And you want true dirt track racing? You're going to do a multi groove, and you're going to have that moisture because Bristol had the potential. Because early on in the Cup race, they had cars that could go too wide and just needed that high groove to kick in. But because everyone everyone ran the bottom and all the dust kept them pushing up, and if you got up too high, you were into the wall and crashing. Yeah. You you just well, need – you can't do that. That's right. Yeah, there's yeah. like no banking. So uh, I believe, uh, you know, we weren't too uh, big last year uh, with the Xfinity Series returning to Martinsville. I, I don't remember much of that show. I think it was uh, – I think that was during a really stressful time for all – for everyone. Uh, but uh, so the Xfinity has – this. Uh, they're coming back to Martinsville. I believe this is the second go-around. I may be wrong. <clears throat> they may, this may be the first time that they've been there. I, I can't remember last year's Martinsville race right off the top of my head other than uh, – I think there was an incident with Bubba Wallace or something. Um, um, the last time really Xfinity sure. ran at Martinsville, trying to find it here. I believe it's okay. two, no, no, last year. The 90s. Oh, it was last, last year. year. Last year, and then before last year, it was 2006. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, that we're, at least we're getting our typical race weekend this coming weekend, and we can uh, kind of put the COVID year behind us. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like a re a rebirthing. Yes, we're going to be at Martinsville this year. Yes, it's going to be under the lights, and yes, the Xfinity cars are going to be there. Um, I'm really looking forward to the race this weekend um, as, as we open up. Uh, these racetracks and bring fans back in, and and uh, I think it's yeah, going to be uh, 
looking like fans will be back, will be in for this event because according to Martinsville Speedway's website, they're still advertising uh, tickets for sale for right. at least the Xfinity race. Right. Awesome. Uh, so this past weekend, I don't think there was much racing on at all. I did find a new series on Netflix uh, about the Formula One guys. Um, I, I don't know. I can't really remember the name of the show off the top of my head, but if y'all have anything to do on a weekend like this past weekend where it was no racing on, uh, you, you know, I, if you're anything like me, you'll search for anything that has something to do with racing to keep you entertained. I have not checked out Lost Speedway yet uh, on the Peacock channel by Dale Jr., but uh, I do have that one planned to come up as well. But uh, so, uh, yep, yeah, I guess it's time for our picks for this weekend, and we'll go ahead and close out the show. Uh, Craig has picked uh, Xfinity side. He's picked Dinger. Who did he pick for the Cup side there, Taz? He picked Kevin Harvick. And I think we should add some little bonus uh, point in there and go for that Dash for Cash driver if we don't pick a Dash for Cash driver to win the race. Will a dash for cash driver win the race? Uh, well, with Dinger being picked, I, I guess I guess you could give uh, an extra ten points if you pick the driver and the dash for cash driver. How about that? All right. If you make if you pick if you pick a driver that's in the da- that's won the dash for cash people, you get whatever regular points plus ten points. And uh, if you don't pick a dash for cash driver to win the race, well you're going to have two picks because we got to yeah, yeah. so much faster cash. Well, I, you know, I, here I am. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to pick a guy who's in the dash for cash and it's going to be Harrison Burton. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll be able to get that 10 bonus points there. Um, uh, and so Won that's the race for last the, year. Yeah. 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 Race. Uh, oh, isn't that something? Don't know a thing about the race. And then I pick uh, last year's winner. Um, so, and on the cup side, oh, yeah, that was Harrison Burton's very first Xfinity win. Sure was. Yep. Uh, so, on the cup side, that's just kind of tough, man. I mean, it's Denny Hamlin's house, and he's proved that time and time again. Of course, it's hard to not pick a Hendrick car. Um... But, so, I, who do you go with? Do you go with Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, or Denny Hamlin? That's It's really hard because those three seem to be uh, the top three that stick out the most in my head. You know what, though? I'm going with Kyle Busch. That's who I'm going with. I'm going You're with going Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. I'm going with Kyle Busch for Martinsville. Interesting pick. And I'm yeah, glad you I like picked it. him. I like to throw you guys off every now and then, you know. Kyle Boosh for the win. It's funny you mention him because in one of the articles you sent, Chris, a lot of people are going to be eyeing Kyle Busch on this race because they believe that this will be a make-or-break kind of season at this particular race for Kyle Busch. You put, bring him out? Huh? So, my pick uh, for Xfinity, yikes. Oh, I'm going to go. 
and it blows my mind here. I got to – wow. You know what? I, I'm going to go – I would say Noah Gregson, but I feel like he his aggression levels might be a little bit much in a short track, and he might wreck out. But I could be wrong. Yeah, some people owe him a little a little bump, don't they? <laughs> so, uh, as much as I would like to see Gregson push for this one, I just I feel like he's gonna wreck early on this. Oh boy! You know, I'm gonna go with a guy who's been quiet for the most part in the Xfinity series, and he's had strong runs. He's had a couple downfalls. But nothing to his doing. I'm gonna go with the Riley Herbster Haas. Wow! Holy smokes! He finished sixth in the last Martinsville race, so and he came from 24th. So I think I I think he can he can get some. Jobs done there. Now, however, my dash for cash pick, since I did not pick one of them, I'm gonna go on the uh, I'm gonna go on the Craig Moore side of things. I'm going with the Dinger. I'm going with Mister Ding Ding for the dash for cash. What about in the terms? Cup? In terms of Cup, well, I'm looking at Hamlin. Then I'm thinking maybe a Ford driver because Hendrick, I'm not really looking at because I had to do some research on the cup side because I wanted to pick Hamlin, but something's telling me this is not going to be Hamlin's race this time around. And I'm surprised you mentioned Hendrick because the only Hendrick driver that actually has a decent average finish is Chase Elliott. And his average finish is 14.5 in 11 starts. And the next Hendrick driver down the list here is Alex Bowman, and he only has three top 10s and 10 starts, and his average finish is 20th. And Byron and Larson are not that great. <laughs> So I was quite surprised yeah, you were mentioning Hendrick. How many Fords in the last 30 years have won in Martinsville? Three? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to look that up right now while I can. Ford has won at Martinsville. Last time Ford won at Martinsville was BK in June of 2019. No, March of 2019. I'm sorry. So I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to say we're going to get a repeat winner at Martinsville for repeat 2021 winner. I'm going to go with Miss, with uh, Mr. Giggles guy. It's all short track racing. Joy Logano. 
Oh my God! I can't believe you did that. Was pretty good, man. That was pretty good. <laughs> good job. <laughs> and I think I think him in his interview, in his post race interview this past time, and it, and he did he did the same little. They it's just it's Joey Logano, guys, and he's such a awesome interviewer, and and it's so great to hear him and his enthusiasm and all that. But but you're right when he puts that helmet on. He becomes uh, he becomes a, a, a Mr. Hyde, a doctor, a Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I was gonna go with BK, but he hasn't made me convinced to really win. Blaney, well, he's a strong contender, but I'm still not convinced for him to win just yet this season. I would like to see a little bit more from him. I know he's won Atlanta, but I'm going to go with Joey Logano back-to-back, Mr. Giggles. Mr. Giggles. I like that name, I do. I got nicknames for a lot of these drivers. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, uh, I guess we'll get the Miss Lee's picks and – uh, Jason's picks later in the week And we'll get those posted We want to thank you guys for listening to the show Sorry about the uh, the, the problems in the earlier part of the show The late start And uh, um, just not being on, on, on page There with each other And I can't put it all on, on everybody else I definitely I feel like uh, I was at some, some fault there Especially in the beginning I'm not quite knowing uh, what was going on With the show But uh um, so, uh, but uh, hopefully you, you guys will give us a chance uh, next week, as you do weekly, and we'll be able to come back on strong. Because I really thought last week's show was one of the best ones ever, and uh, I was hoping we could duplicate that this week. But hey, uh, we got through it, and uh, we had a great interviewer um, inter- interview with uh, with Dave there from uh, Hillbilly Motorsports. And uh, left a lot on the table there, I think, with his interview. Um, but uh, enjoy the race this weekend. Go out and support your local tracks. I know it's starting to warm up there on the northeastern side and up in the uh, the northern areas, so uh, the Midwest and all as well. But uh, go out and support your local tracks and uh, listen to the shows on Monday night, Race Chat Live with Taz, Chris, and Craig. We'll be glad to entertain you there for an hour and a half or so. But, uh, Tash, you got anything you want to close with? This is Race Chat Live on the Blog Talk Radio with 110 Nation Sports with the caution flag of radio, Mr. Chris Creighton, Mr. DJ Music Man himself, Craig Moore. I'm the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Taz Taylor. We'll catch you next Monday night right here. Same time, same place. Goodbye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.